0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you guys had an amazing weekend. Uh, Mine was very restful. You're probably bored of me saying that. You're probably thinking, God, go do something. (laughs) Nah, we're in a pandemic, and I'm using this time to rest. Look, (laughs) prior to the pandemic, life was wild for a lot of us. We were... Had more responsibilities for some. Some have a lot more now, but I definitely had more prior. And so I'm happy to have, you know, a lot of downtime. Um, let's not problematize that though. Let's enjoy whatever new things have emerged. It's kind of why in some of the interviews I'm doing, um, love lines more talk right now and I'm listening live is more of the interview show. And for those that aren't familiar, because maybe you're joining us later in the game, I'm listening live is my live stream, excuse me, my live stream show. That's every Thursday night at 5 p.m pacific 8 p.m eastern on all the radio.com handles awesome guests awesome topics and you know um one of the things that i think is really interesting that comes up in those interviews is when we talk about coping mechanisms or self-care and really bumping into new forms of that you know hobbies often that we hadn't really considered or interests we hadn't realized and one of the things that's pretty common is some some form of like regressiveness and i use that in a neutralized way uh, we don't really i guess it's a return to things that maybe were more traditionally associated with youth or childhood and bringing them into our adult lives and i love that i i, I don't value i really don't like or value this distinction between childhood and adulthood in terms of how you dress how you speak, how you live your life, where you find joy or pleasure. I think it's a really socially constructed, arbitrary boundary that doesn't do anyone a, a service. I think it's all about truth and authenticity. You know, so I've loved hearing about some of these adults and celebrities saying, I'm hula hooping, I'm roller skating, I'm doing puzzles, um, <clears throat> just really cute, more old school style things that they're bringing to their adult lives knitting, crocheting. It's awesome. You know, I think there's some moment of real, real raw truth that's coming out of what's going on for us. And I'm trying to allow that to emerge as well. you know. Um, and I think that that's more honest, right? And I think that that might be one of the interesting things that kind of came out of the pandemic and everything else that's going on, right? Because we have earthquakes. I don't know if y'all know, but last week here in California, was it last week? God, the time goes by. We had some earthquakes on top of the wildfires, on top of all the social justice work that we're doing, on top of the upcoming election, on top of COVID, um it's non-stop <laughs> and so the fact that we're all you know doing what we can to get through this is quite amazing i'm really proud of everyone even those that aren't doing very well or thriving i'm proud of you as well because you're, you're doing the best you can and that's kind of the message i keep trying to give everyone is 60 it's got to be good enough and i want us all to collectively co-sign and shake well not shake hands bump elbows on that that it's going to be about just good enough um let your child be doing good enough, you know with schoolwork, let you know your family members and yourself be doing good enough with home skills and expectations and housework. Good enough in all areas of our lives. So I'm letting us, I'm giving everyone collective permission to drop the bar and just do good enough. you know, it's a pandemic. Please drop the expectations on yourselves. I'm still working with a lot of patients in my practice that are kind of buckling under the tyranny of I should be putting out new music or working on, you know, a spec script or I should be whatever it is, you know, and this idea that we should be keeping up with those that are being very hyper productive right now which is great for those that are i see people putting together amazing career packages going back to school that's awesome i you know i'm not there i'm on the end of i'm feeling tired i'm feeling very fragile everything that happens feels you know more amplified than it normally would and i'm just kind of like just taking care of myself so anyway We're all doing the best we can. Finally, though, I just want to speak to last week, I got to be a part of something really awesome, the I'm Listening campaign, which is what my live stream show is connected and born out of. But we did a special and this was, I think it was Wednesday, right? And it was two hours, 230 radio stations across the country. And again, we were just trying to really solidify and bring forward in a larger platform, you know, across the country, this message of do your best. You know, do your best and talk about your mental health. That's how we're going to get through this. We want to normalize that. We want people when someone says like, how is your mental health or how are you doing? We want people to really answer those that have, you know, followed my work for a length of time know that I'm such a big fan of authenticity and truth. And I really want that to come forward. Um... I think that that's really important, needed, and valuable is us just being more honest with where we're at and getting away from, you know, respectability politics, which say that you have to, in order to be taken seriously or competent or seen as grounded, be living a certain way. Look, we all struggle. We're all in the mental health continuum, right? And we're all tapping into these different levels of things. And I want us to be able to just be where we are and who we are. But the way we do that is by talking more and normalizing. And so I'm always thankful for the celebrities that are part of that project because, you know, we put them on a big pedestal and they really are part of constructing expectations and also d- deciding in some ways what's going to be norm you know a norm all right y'all we got a beautiful show planned for you um got an interesting question of the night that is up on our loveline ig page in the story tonight's question of the night is basically uh have you considered moving out of the country <laughs> i know a lot of people that have i have honestly and truly i have we can talk more about that when we get to the question of the night later in the show oh uh, we got a lot of great news um Gosh, going to be talking about some stuff in the gender world, also uh, giving a little couples therapy, some talking about some technological advancements in sexuality. It's going to be some good stuff. Stick around. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, let's get into some news. This is, look, more of this. This shouldn't be shocking to any of us. I've been saying, along with a lot of other experts, that we are not ready to be going back to school, 100 New York City school buildings have had a COVID-19 case. And this is by the first day of class, 100. Really, really sit with that number. At least 100 early childhood centers and school buildings in New York City reported at least one case of COVID-19 by the first day of in-person classes. And that was a couple days ago back in uh, September 21st. And um, by that Tuesday, 11 more schools and two pre-kindergarten uh, reported cases as well. Now I don't I don't know why that is shocking. We are not ready. The infection still exists at really high rates. I'm I'm unclear why that isn't something that we're taking a look at. It's something that we're just kind of brushing by. And and it's financially based. I I really don't believe that you know the school system thinks that that's what's in the children's best interest. I do I do appreciate that not every child lives in a safe home. I do appreciate that not every child lives in a home. That has access to means, and for some, school is a safe haven. School is a place where they have access to friends. School is a place where they're fed. Uh, we have to be able to provide. The, excuse me. We have, to be able, we have to be able to provide those services. Otherwise, because not everyone is living in an area where the numbers are low enough to go back to school. And remember, again, the pervasive effect of this. If a child is positive, they come home and possibly have already infected the family members. That might be high risk. And wherever, the, and if the family's going to work, they're taking that infection to the office. I mean, that's, that's not okay. And so I really am putting a little shame on the school systems. I don't believe you're looking out for the children. I do think it's financially based. Everything tends to be centered around money and it's heartbreaking. Universities are having these high spikes as well. Ridiculous. And the quarantine conditions are also subpar. You should see the food that these children's are, these kids are being fed, and the schools are still taking full tuition, and that's gross to me. If any institution is providing online services um, educationally, yeah, you should be dropping the tuition, and you should not be forcing kids to come back. So shame on you guys. It's, it's not okay. It just isn't. Um, okay, so now in airline news, we we had already talked about how we've lost a lot of faith in the CDC because the Trump administration has put new protocols on them. So I don't I honestly don't track or really believe in what they're saying. They're saying right now that COVID nineteen isn't an airborne threat, uh, but scientists are saying that that is not correct. Now why would the CDC now be going back on everything they've said and claiming that it's not airborne? It absolutely is. We know we know that it's in aerosols. And scientists are saying, yeah, the CDC is broken, seriously broken. That's a quote from a health expert in response to the federal agency's reversal of the risk of airborne transmission. Let me say it again. The CDC is broken, seriously broken, and it really is. So scientists are pushing back, Um, and that's because the CDC – is just kind of run wild, right? And this is coming from virologists and epidemiologists and global health people. And they're basically saying that they're flip-flopping, this is dangerous, this is confusing, but more importantly, the science does not support the stance that the agency is now going to. That is heartbreaking. And this is a tweet from a Harvard public health professional saying there's something odd going on at the CDC. Who knows what the agency's positions will be day by day to wear blinders to evidence is to bring a country to its knees. And we really are. I was talking to friends up in Canada and they were doing really well and they were far advanced beyond us in terms of openings. Now they're gonna possibly be rolling backwards. Why? School openings. I believe it's also people are getting too familiar with the pandemic, they're getting burnt out and they're pushing on the boundaries of safety. I do believe that's part of it because people are still gathering. I'm seeing it on my own social media with people I know personally, where they're out drinking, leaning on each other, having fun, no mask. I know tons of, not tons of friends, but I have some friends that I've just been very disappointed in because I'm seeing pictures of them traveling all over the place. What are you doing? We're in a pandemic, your behavior impacts others. I know it's hard. We have to make do with what we have. We have to do the best we can with what's available to us But that's just not where we're at, and it impacts others. So that's really a big bummer to me. Especially, let's look at the fact that I was looking at an article earlier that there's a bar owner in Florida. P.S., please don't be going to bars. They literally meet every criteria for high risk. Indoors, indoors for long periods of time, indoors for long periods of time in an enclosed space. That is small around tons of other people without masks. Because even places where you have to wear a mask, by law, you're allowed to take it off to drink or eat. It's a nightmare. And there's a Florida bar owner that is publicly out there saying, I'm banning the wearing of masks. You're not allowed to wear them. Now help me understand the reasoning in that. What 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 do you care? Why do you care? Why does the owner care whether or not people are in there wearing masks and taking care of themselves? He thinks it's a hoax. Well, (laughs) what is like this is the ridiculous I'm talking about? Like, but again, I was having another conversation with a friend and this blew my mind a little bit. And he was talking about some of the beliefs that some people have. Now, I'm well aware that depending on where you get your information and the sources, you're going to be getting a very different story and narrative on what's going on in the world. I wasn't aware of some of this, but look, there are some people thinking that Joe Biden is going to turn us into a socialist culture, which I'm not mad at, but also that he was going to try to make everyone ready Muslim. Like, huh? I'm sorry, what? And there are some people that literally do think that the uh, coronavirus is a hoax. I guess they haven't had anyone die. I have, I know multiple people directly and indirectly that have died from this. So for someone like me, I take these things very seriously, but I'm also a public health professional. So I do care about the impact you know things have on other people so you know let's continue to have those conversations with those around us and make sure that they're following protocol more importantly though you do have my support if you are living with other people to set rules and boundaries around what they are doing and possibly bringing home and how they're infecting you and yes some people are having to ask people to move out because they're just not willing to be safe and look out for others uh finally though before we uh go to break i just want to remind you all register to vote It is so simple, it is so quick, I promise you. I had to re-register to vote, so even if you think you already are, go on and make sure I had to re-register. It took me minutes, it was so simple. And uh, ask those around. You make sure that they've registered. Get those ballots. Mail them in. Get everyone together. Um, All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk about some gender and sex justice because, uh, God bless it, it's just one of those areas that has not gotten full liberation and freedom. And uh, until all of us are free, none of us are free, right? All right. Two-minute promise. We'll be back in two minutes. Question of the night, as always, up on our Loveline AG page in the story. So weigh in on that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back, and uh, I just want to acknowledge. Yes, my voice is a little scratchy. I do a lot of talking for hours every day doing therapy. I'm gonna be running groups soon, doing other media projects. So um, bear with me. Oh, let me just give a quick heads that uh, shout out. Heads up, we gotta find a way to com- combine those two. What would be the combination of a shout out and a heads up at the same time? Anyway, slide into my DMs and let me know if you figure it out. Um. <clears throat> oh yes, right. <laughs> my point. Uh, I just was on a podcast and you know, I do a lot of different podcasts, I don't always promote them, but I wanted to call this one out. Uh, this one was super rad. So I don't, I don't always, always, always get to participate in the most dynamic things. I'm always complimented when someone, reach out, when someone reaches out, when someone reaches out and wants me to be on their podcast or their project. Um, this one was super awesome. So this one is called Fascination. Uh, fascination with An- Angelo D'Agostino. And I posted it on my social media, maybe I'll repost it. And basically, what this podcast does it's it's kind of like the true crime version of. Talking about celebrity and public figures, private lives, or lesser known elements. It's not gossip based. You all know I hate that. I don't participate in that. It's really a beautiful exploration and normalization of what these people went through and how it made them who they are and kind of what we can learn from it. And he was doing a second inaugural episode. Again, the podcast is called Fascination with uh, Angela DiAgostino and it's on everywhere iTunes, Spotify. And he was talking about Marilyn Monroe. And I learned so much. You know, we think we know these people, or maybe we don't think we do, but looking at their backstory, you really understand how they came to be who they are and do what they did. And I love often when I'm interested in a filmmaker or a, an author, I'll research their background. And it really, really, really helps you better understand the work that they're producing because we are always in our work. And there's a reason why we go the way we go, choose what we choose and why what has value has value. So I was on there as the you know expert and scholar just talking about relationships, psychology, sexuality, and trying to just add some layers and more clarification as to who she is and why she is the way she is. It was really, really stunning. So anyway, check it out, it's called Fascination. Um, Also, he's a friend of mine, super, super smart. So the one thing I I will point out, and this happened on one other thing, I talk fast, which I'm fine with. There's no right speed to walk, talk, date, do anything. I move fast. I talk fast. My work is about learning how to have confidence in that. I'm not looking to slow down. I don't believe that slowness is of higher value or more mental health. Mental health is really embodying, accepting who you are. But <clears throat> he didn't feel that way. Apparently, he slowed my voice down. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know I'm a phlegm ball right now, but you know, allergies and there's smoke in the air. But he slowed my voice down, and so it's a little bit like that. So I was kind of put off by that. So just the heads up on that part. I don't know why people do that. Look, I talk fast. Some people think fast. It works for them. Okay, anyway, uh, I wanted to get into some of this gender justice because this is a mess. Now remember, until we're all free, we're not free. And that's why what I thought was really beautiful when I heard in the Black Lives Matter movement is people that are black saying, Black lives include black gay lives, black trans lives. You cannot separate out and say all black lives but the gay people, right? And so we talk about any kind of social justice or human rights. It's the same thing. And that's why we talk about trans women are part of the feminist movement. When we talk about, you know, rights for women, we mean trans women and cis women, all women. We talk about human lives, we mean gay ones too, trans ones as well, fat bodies as well. We can't leave out some of these more exploited, marginalized people. That that is just us allowing and supporting other levels of violence. I this I'm hoping things are different now, but I remember back in school, way, way, way back when, I've done two doctoral programs, a master's program, and a bachelor's program, so a lot of education in there, but the one interesting moment was it was a social justice class, and the the professor was homophobic. Uh, was all about supporting every other identity, but was making some really microaggressive homophobic comments. And I was thinking, oh, so we want justice for all lives, well, except for a few. That's crap. That's not social justice. That's not feminism. Um, All lives. And that also means species, too. Animals, as well. Any violence that we allow is the allowance of violence, and it intersects. And it's still creating this idea that if we have power over someone, we should be able to utilize that power and so you know we have to be very thoughtful about how we treat anyone who's less powerful than we are and that includes animals um so anyway this stuff matters so basically kind of sad the uk they're going to abandon a plan to allow trans people to self-identify now That's a mess. Mental health means being able to live in the world in a way that makes sense to you, live in the world based on who you are, and live in the world with full support and acceptance of who you are. Let people live. I I, I really can't figure out, and maybe this is because of the work I've done or the levels of compassion I've worked to have or my work on social justice, but I don't understand the reasoning why you wanna single out certain kinds of people based on their body shape or size, their orientation, their gender expression, and say, we're not gonna give you the rights that everyone else has why, why do you care? That's just cruelty. So really take time to examine in your life. What are the, what kinds of people do you think aren't worth having rights? And why do you think that? And work on, work on resolving that work on finding ways to actually educate yourself on that and do better. We all need to do that. That's a really important thing to do. Um, all right, we're going to talk more about this when we come back. Cause I have more to say, but we got to do a DM first. You're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence. DMs, they come from our Loveline IG page. Drop on in those DMs, let us know your thoughts and questions. Uh, let's hear this one. This one's a long one, so hang in there with us. Um, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm a 25-year-old cis woman and I'm struggling with my sexual identity. I've always been attracted to men and women, but not had more than PG 13 sexually experiences with women. I've only had boyfriends my whole life and I'm currently in a relationship with a man and it's great, but I've just realized I've never pursued a relationship with a woman because of a few reasons. One, I didn't think my family would understand or they would judge me. Two, I don't even know if I'm bisexual since I've never been in a relationship with a person that identifies, the sa- that identifies as the same gender as me. And I feel like I've been told my whole life that being sexually attracted to women is just a phase I'll grow out of it. Or that I am just a slut and not actually bi. <laughs> oh my God. God bless that. What I'm struggling with is unlearning these internalized bi phobias and coming to terms with my sexual truth. I can't help but feel like an imposter outsider when I try to claim ownership of bisexuality and I feel like I don't belong in the LGBT QIA plus community, help. P.S. I love your work so much, you're changing the world. Aw, thank you, that means a lot. Um, so, you know, a few things. I love this question, I love questions like this. You know, your identity, <clears throat> and this is really hard for some people to understand, but our identity is for us to decide. No one gets to choose your identity for you, and no one gets to decide if you're gay enough, straight enough, or bi enough. That's, that's a self-identifier. And remember, bisexual does not mean 50-50. Hear me say that again. Bisexual is not 50-50 where you equally like both genders the same amount. That's just not how it goes. Bisexuality can be 90% men, 10% interest in women. That's still bi. Whatever the percentages. Um, I identify as sexually fluid and more bisexual and my percentages are not 50-50 and the genders that I am attracted to sexually are not the same ones that I'm romantically drawn towards and date, right? Because we talked a little bit about that. There's sexual attraction and then there's romantic attraction. And some people are more romantically and relationally driven towards just one gender and sexually maybe it's a little more broad. So to hold that space that Maybe you're interested just sexually in women, maybe relationally that never really made sense, but you somehow think it has to, and that might be part of the confusion. Why do I maybe fantasize or eroticize having sex with a woman, you're thinking, but I don't really necessarily want to date them. Maybe I'm not really bi. It's like, no, you are. It's just your bisexual. Your sexuality includes all those, but romantically, you're hetero-romantic. You're just interested in dating guys that's still bisexual. But bigger than that, again, you get to decide. Straight men, and this is a big one, they are allowed to have sex with men as well at times and still identify as hetero because you get to self-identify, just like gender. You get to identify your gender, male, female, non-binary, fluid, I don't know. Whatever it is, it's up to you. And that's what's beautiful about identification and psychology is it's personalized. And we create these labels to try to understand people, but we often wind up using them against ourselves and others. Because when we have a label that usually comes with a a definition and a definition is always about who's included and who's not, right? Because labels are all about separating out. Right. So there's always going to be a line that we feel like defines who's in and who's out. But that's not real. So if you if you claim bisexuality, then you are and you don't have to have sex with a gender to know that that's your orientation. People identify as hetero for their whole adolescence and maybe have not had intercourse or any kind of sexuality yet. Think about that. The average age of first sexual experiences, it's dropped, but I think it was 16 or 17. But people that are 13, 14, and 15, and even 16 and 17 are identifying as hetero, but not having sex yet, but they're confident what they feel drawn to or desiring. Our sexual orientation can just be chosen or shown via our solo sex, our masturbation. Maybe you don't have a partner. Maybe you're not having sex with a person. Maybe it's just masturbatory and you're enjoying men and women via porn and fantasy, well, there's your bisexuality. Your question, you said that um, you've been attracted to men and women, bam, you're bi. You don't have to act on it. And many people won't. Some people are in monogamous relationships long-term And their partner isn't interested in anything open or non-monogamous and so they'll only ever be with one gender but that's the case for it in a larger sense too you might like different body shapes and sizes and heights and all sorts of things but your partner is the way they are so monogamy is always about limits monogamy is always limiting our exploration and development monogamy is a a a ceiling we hit and so don't let that change who you are sexually you know all right, sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world, and we want you to explore it with confidence. Question of night up on our Love Line IG page. And coming up next, we're going to talk more about some sex and gender news and justice. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Radio.com. All right, we're back and we're talking about some gender news and justice. And I was sharing earlier in the show about the UK letting go of plans to allow trans identities to be recognized by self, the self-identification. And I was saying that's really gross to me because we shouldn't be giving the authority um, of, uh, of, we shouldn't be giving the power to these authorities, the government to decide how we identify or what's possible for us. That falls outside the scope of the law and the government. That is a social justice and psychological issue. And um, the experts, me being one of the scholars in the field, y'all, I'm telling you that it is mentally appropriate, necessary, and healthy as both mental health, uh, physical health, public health, and also social justice and gender justice for human beings to self-identify. If you are hetero man, and you have sex with other men and you claim hetero identity you are heterosexual if you are you know gender fluid non-binary and you claim that then that is what you are you know the government and the law does not get to gatekeep and decide for people who they are it just doesn't work like that. They've tried to do it for a whole lives. They've tried to dehumanize black people and take away their rights and say us as the government and the legal system we're going to determine who is worth in value and where you can sit on a bus and what school you can go to and what water fountain you can use and that's crap, right? And that is where there's a there's a separation all the time. Look, the law and the government doesn't care about mental health. They don't. Some places still allow conversion therapy. Some people still some places still allow Um, therapists, excuse me, to do damaging suicidal rate rising sexually traumatic practices to try to change someone's sexual orientation. We still have sex addiction therapy. That's also like that. That is sex, sexual abuse, period. It, traumatizes and shames people's sexual identification and their arousal systems. There are healthier ways to work with someone on a sexuality that's confusing or feels out of control to them. See a certified sex therapist, certified through Asect. Also, there's these really crappy, crappy brand new training programs and even a doctoral program in our field that will give you certificates in like months. That's not what you want to do. It's a mess. Um, But we got to leave stuff to the experts. So I also wanted to talk about, and this was like an article and a meme that went around and, and it was looking at, it was basically a photo and it was two flags. One was a black lives matter. I guess it was like a banner and the other was a gay pride flag and it was hanging in the classroom and people were very upset about that. I'm, I'm all about it. I talked a little bit about that last week in some different ways, but I'm all about that because representation matters. And until we talk about how people in history were gay, which we leave that out, we, talk, we don't talk about how Susan, um, a lot of the women in the early suffrage movement, the women's right movement, the first wave who got women the right to vote, a lot of them were lesbians. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about a lot of the famous artists, painters, and people that are in history, writers, that they were gay. We don't let teachers come out as gay. That is how we start to decrease homophobia. So not allowing that to be brought in is homophobia in action. And gay students need to see them represented somewhere somehow. And a safe resource of a teacher putting a flag up is doing that. Same thing with the Black Lives Matter banner. I also saw a story about a teacher getting in trouble for having a bi pride flag in their office. Why can we not have people proudly identify as who they are? Are you only allowed to have pride if you're white and straight? Is that what you're saying? Because... That is what you're saying. You're saying, unless you're white and straight, we don't want to acknowledge. We don't even want to bring in discussion of race or politics. We need to learn how to talk about race and politics. I don't agree that those things don't matter and should be left out of the discussion. The reason why we are where we are politically and with social justice is because we don't practice and learn how to talk about those things. They need to be talked about at dinner, at parties, at events. No space is safe from these things. We Even people that are like, shut up and dribble to the NBA. Are you kidding? Racism exists in full blast in domains like that. We do need to talk about it. No no space is so pure that it shouldn't be allowed to have these threads in there when they are in there. So I don't agree with that. Especially, let's go broader, when we have people like J.K. Rollins who is digging her heels into her transphobia. And there are a lot of people that are done with her. I am. I'm not comfortable supporting her work because she's now, she's used her platforms to support anti-trans shops that are selling merchandise that are very clearly anti-trans, not covertly, very clearly attacking trans identities. Those people have enough violence. Our trans family members and loved ones have enough violence and exploitation. They don't need people like JK literally promoting more of it right? And that is why it matters that teachers and institutions hold space to acknowledge the value and the right of all this kind of diversity because gay people and trans people exist whether y'all like it or not. They just do. And to recognize and to support their mental health matters. No one, no one is outside the scope of deserving care and compassion and support, no one. And if you don't believe that, you're a bigot, and I welcome you to stick around and learn more through my work. My work is here for you, you have a lot of work to do. If you think that there's any identity, whether a sex worker, someone gay, someone trans, someone fat, if you think that there's a certain kind of person that's worthy of being mocked or ostracized, please, Welcome, stick around. You have a lot to learn. I'm here to help you through that. That's part of what this show is about. So um, you're in the right place. All right, coming up next, we're gonna talk about some couples therapy stuff. Yep, gotta to keep an eye on what's going on in our relationships, right? All right, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Now we're gonna do a little couples therapy. Boom, 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 boom. That's the intro music, uh, <laughs> gotta add some audio. So, okay, couples therapy. I think it's really helpful for a lot of individuals. I, I know that you know history had, well, we lived in a time when history was very shaming, right? I remember when I was in high school and I was in therapy, I would, my mom was like, well, you know, you don't really wanna talk about it because you know, people think that something's wrong with you. Well, there was, (laughs) I was struggling with some mental health stuff. We all are. Therapy is great for everyone. I literally do truly believe that if you have the time, money and access, get into therapy, everyone, individual group. I'm going to be putting a group therapy together soon. So pay attention to my social media. Um, it's going to be for everyone and anyone. It's going to be related to getting together, excuse me, working on sexual and relational health and identity and exploration. So I'll be putting, uh, gosh, really soon I'll be putting that out there so you'll be able to get information to join. But my bigger point was there's sliding scale therapy, there's free therapy, whatever it is, do it. Um, even by my books, rebel love, sex outside the lines, you can work on yourself and your relationship that way. There's so many ways to do it, but please don't think that your relationship or yourself doesn't need some work. We live in a culture, unfortunately, where no one is without some level of trauma, small or large due to their gender, their body, their sexual orientation, whatever it is. Um, and relationships are hard and we are not taught or shown anywhere how to be better partners. We aren't nowhere. Not in school and definitely not on television. And God bless it, I'm reading a lot of these self-help books and they're crap. They're antiquated. Uh, it's the same stuff they're passing around that's problematic and not correct. They're rooted in uh, gender binary. Like, well, all men are like this. No, they're not. All women need or think this way. No, they don't. What are you, what are you talking about? What about the non-genders and every other gender? What about, you know, there's so much more to it than that. So basic point is get into couples therapy, but if not, look. There's tons of perspective I'm always giving people because there are some fundamental things to always think about and consider. So I was looking at this article, and a lot of the articles kind of let me down, and I'm like, "What are you talking about?" But this one, I thought there were some interesting points. So um, let's look at some of the meaningful things. So basically, it was looking at what are the what are the mandates, what are the commandments for partners in therapy, and I love the first one. It was talking about the fact that the best way to be a good partner is to not shame, blame, or criticize. And what, what that usually means is when you start to get critical and shaming, it's either you're a very critical shaming person and you need to work on that individually because you keep bringing that into all your relationships. Because again, remember, the the healthiest perspective with which to do this work is to look at yourself. We're not examining our partners until we've first done the work on ourselves. Are you a critical, um, blaming, shaming person? Because that... Isn't the way to get change created or done, right? That doesn't create a relationship in which your partner is able to really hear what you're asking for and provide that. So I always say make requests, not critique. So it's not, you never da, 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 da. You always blah, blah, blah. You are this, you are that. It's, hey, it would mean a lot to me if you could. It would mean a lot to me if you would, right? So we make requests. We don't attack. We don't blame. We make it a conversation. It's adults. No adult has a right to assert their power over another adult or even a child. No one has a right to assert their control or power over anyone with less power than them. Not not a employee, not a child, not a student, not an animal. We need to get better about removing the sense of control and power. Everyone has the same amount of right to respect. And yeah, we need to talk to children with respect. It is so mentally toxic for adults or people in power positions of power like teachers or other authorities to talk down to a child. So I, I wanna keep always bringing that in. I need to bring more of that in. Um, the second one is you, you need to make sure that you protect your partner and your relationship you are on the same side. A lot of fights that come into my office are based on couples that have forgotten that they're on the same side or that they need to start to figure out how they can get on the same side. Because what happens is we can create these adversarial dynamics where we think it's us against them. And if you've started to create that or that's the way your relationship is run, you have to start with asking yourself, how can I get us back to a place in general, fundamentally, where we're on the same side? Where I'm not thinking horrible thoughts, because if you're at a place where you don't like them and you're miserable and you have a lot of resentment, it's time to get out. Because you're not doing anything for yourself or them. You're making yourselves both miserable. Work on that. That's not how it should be. Here's my heart. When I hear people trashing their partners, I'm like, what? What are you doing then? Why are you in it? You know? Why is that resentment of being allowed? How is that helping you or them? You know? Like we don't enter relationships to make our lives miserable. There's work, but they should make our lives better. So do that work. And the final thing I wanna really zero in on is mind reading. You know, we don't, gosh, we live in a culture where on one hand, we love the idea of people telling it like it is and not having a filter. That is not mentally healthy. That's aggression. That's not appropriate. But at the same time, we don't honor truly compassionate, loving, transparent, intimate building conversations, the hard to hear things that are really important and necessary. And so we prefer people to mind read. We want them to assume what we want, what we need, for happy, for not. We don't always wanna speak up and ask, but that's how we build intimacy. Sharing those things that make us anxious, asking for our needs to be met, trying to build the kind of relationship we wanna have. you know. And um, that's the work. And that kinda goes to, I wanna kinda throw in here a question that came into my private DM that I thought was really interesting, and it was a question about love languages. And the individual said, you know, I know that love languages, and people don't often know this, love languages, the whole concept is about learning what your partner needs so they feel loved and, and, and communicating care and love in a way that they hear it. But the question said, would it also help, though, to learn to hear it in the way that my partner you know, provides it? Meaning, everyone has the way that it makes sense for them to hear it, and we tend to offer it in that same way. But the work is about sharing with our partners how we need to hear it and them sharing with us how they need to hear it and us giving each other what they need. But the question was saying, what if we do both? What if we request it in the ways that we need to hear it, but we also learn to see it in the ways our partner might naturally normally express it? And I think both is beautiful. I want people to be able to find that validation, care, and love in all the different ways that are possible. And so, yeah, learn to hear the love and the compliments in the way your partner maybe gives them, noticing what they do that expresses that, while at the same time also asking for it to be done in the ways that are most meaningful and powerful for you, right? And then we have it coming from all the different angles. I think that that's really beautiful. And I think that that's really meaningful. All right, question of the night is coming up next. So, there's still some time to weigh in on that. That's on our Loveline IG page in the story. So, do the break. So, break in on that. And then we're going to be doing some DMs. You're listening to Love live with dr chris on the new channel q and radio.com all right y'all we're back it's time for question of the night we're almost oh this hurts my soul we're almost seven months into the pandemic and according to several news outlets there's been an increase in searches to obtain citizenships in other countries question of the night is have you considered moving out of the country a lot of people I'm working with have, and I was sharing a couple times I have, I'm really embarrassed at America. I have been for a while. I don't like the way we treat each other. I don't like the way we allow some laws to exist. I don't like the fact that people still don't believe black lives matter, the homophobia, <clears throat> fat phobia. More importantly, though, I don't like what's going on in the administration. There's some people that still think that certain lives are up for debate as to whether or not they matter all, in all different ways, women's lives, gay lives. That's disgusting. Um, and the fact that some people are still supporting Trump after all the violence and fascism he's brought into our country is also very disappointing and gross to me. The way we handle gun control or lack thereof, it's, it's not, I'm not, I'm not down with it. And Canada has been looking great. I'm in a relationship with someone up there. I've really thought about moving up there. Um, I'm licensed here in the States. I can get that license transferred. So, you know, a lot of us are looking at what comes from the election. I'm absolutely not looking to participate in, um, any kind of culture that would be run by Donald Trump. Um, that's not something I'm going to put myself through. And if I had children, I'd absolutely be leaving. I would not be willing to raise children in this culture. I know that that's not, every, not everyone has the privileges or the finances to, to do a move like that, but I appreciate those that are considering it. People have had enough, and there are a lot of other countries that are doing far better than us in education, in happiness, in social justice. So um, yeah, that's legit. Um, America is not great it's not. And we weren't before. So it's not about making it great again. It's about making it different and making it better. And uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to do that. Definitely more so than Donald Trump. And I got a lot of heat for supporting uh, Biden and Kamala. And I understand they're not perfect, but I'm watching what Donald's doing right now. I know what they did before and I do believe they've grown. I do. And I think they'll do better. And that's meaningful to me. I don't look for perfect. I look for who's going to do better, who's going to do best. And I'm watching what Trump's doing now and it's violent and it's fascist and it's offensive. Um, And I'm really disappointed in those that are still voting Republican. I don't understand. Please stick around. I hope you learn more, but I hope you find more compassion in your heart. Um, Question tonight is, have you considered moving out of the country? Ooh, let's see what y'all said. First person said yes seems like my mental health would be better somewhere else. I think it would. I think for a lot of different identities, people that are marginalized and exploited, I think your mental health and your public health would do far better in another place. I really do. Have you considered moving out of the country is the question tonight? Someone else said yes. And I'm still considering it. Waiting until November, to be honest. Yep. I have two friends that have already submitted to get citizenship in other places. And there are some countries that are offering that to individuals that have skills that might benefit their nation or their country. And um, yeah, so look into that. Have you considered moving out of the country is the question of the night. Someone else said yes. So, I can escape my student debt and have universal health care. High five to that. <laughs> I, I, so, I so get that. I'm hoping we get can, uh, student debt removed. I'm not sure if that's gonna happen, but the universal health care, yeah, I don't see that coming anytime soon. So, got my full support in that. Not everyone has the health care they need. Some people are underinsured, and some people can't really get the care at all, period, right? So, question tonight is Have you considered moving out of the country? Someone said one word Trump. I'm out if there's a second term. I'm with you on that one. Someone else said, Oh, definitely. The political and socioeconomical situation are the main reasons. Yep, I understand that. Um, Just looking at the way people are handling the pandemic, people that aren't wearing masks, it's another sign that we don't have collective care or collective consciousness. People don't care how they impact others. They think they only have to worry about their family, their street, their neighborhood, their country. Those are arbitrary dividing, dividing lines. Those aren't real, and that's not mental health. We need to care about everyone. There's something racist in nationalism. There's something racist in only worrying about your country. There's something very xenophobic in that. Let's worry about everyone. I want every human being to have access to healthcare, living wages, safe working conditions, reproductive justice, everyone. I, I don't care if they're not in my country. <laughs> like, like I think about all humans. All, it's called human rights, right? Uh, so the question tonight is, have you considered moving out of the country? Someone else said, I live in Canada, so I'm staying here for sure. No way, I'm headed south to the US. High five, Canada. It's literally one of my favorite places. Montreal, love, Toronto, Love, been in Vancouver, a whole bunch. Someone else said, yes. I wanna meet other people and experience other cultures. Yep, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to travel a lot in my youth and it was very valuable and meaningful. You know, you realize that America is not the only way. There's many ways, right? And it's not always the better way or right way. We're, we're, we're worse and wrong in a lot of ways. Question night, have you considered moving out of the country? Someone else said, my dad lives in New Zealand. I feel like their government is superior to the US. It's right. New Zealand and Iceland, two places that are really phenomenal. Truly, truly, truly look into what they're doing and how they have more female leadership. Um, Awesome stuff over there. Someone else said, yes, lack of social services and access to affordable healthcare and education are huge for me. Yeah, imagine if you live somewhere where your education was paid for because we actually value and respect it versus here, where you have to be privileged enough to get it or work harder than you should have to. Uh, And finally, someone said, "I I want to work to excel, not work to survive. I know. And that's how a lot of people feel here right now, that they're just working to survive. I feel that way sometimes. You know, we're not alive just to work. And if that's all we're doing, then what are we doing? Things are wrong. Things are backwards. All right, y'all. Thanks to those that participated and for your vulnerability and sharing. Coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. We'll be back in two minutes, two-minute promise. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. all right y'all we're back now it's time to slide into those dms sliding into the dms dms come from our loveline ig page slide on in there Sliding the dms is brought to you by our friends at trojan condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore it with confidence here we go hey dr chris i had a question over quarantine me and my partner had gotten really close we've bonded over something that i'm kind of ashamed of though drugs our relationship isn't the best but we plan nights out where we'll just smoke a lot of weed and talk and laugh. But I feel like our relationship is suffering because during the day we're sober and awkward, or we'll talk about the weekend and how excited we are to just get high. But that's it. We both aren't addicts, but it's starting to feel weird. What can I do? Oh, I appreciate your honesty and transparency that that happens. And it's also happening right now. We're normalizing um, a lot of you know, not the best, not the healthiest, not the most sustainable or nourishing coping mechanisms, right? A lot of drinking, a lot of drug use. Now, it really depends. There's People can use drugs and alcohol appropriately. Not everyone that uses them is misusing them and abusing them. And we're allowed to have, you know, transcendent experiences. We're allowed to find joy and pleasure. We're allowed to, you know, use, you know, masturbation or, or shopping or food or cannabis or all sorts of different things just to bring joy and love into our lives. Go eat a donut. Like, we're, you know, we're, we're allowed to tap into other consciousnesses, right? That can be very healing. But I appreciate what you're saying where sometimes we build our relationships around one thing. And that can be a hobby. That can be a sport. Some people build their marriage around their child. And then they really slowly back away from building intimacy on other levels, usually sometimes just based on who they are. So yeah, sometimes things like drugs can get brought into a relationship. And what can happen is, and this makes it very difficult, is we actually start to become a trigger for each other. You know, even if we're having a day or moment where we're like, "Ah, I don't want to use drugs today, we see our partner and they do. And that's enough for us to then get kind of pulled in. Or just being around them reminds us of the possibility and that becomes a little bit of a trigger. They become a little bit of a high risk thing. So the first thing I would do is I would have the conversation with this person, your partner, and say, listen, it really looks, it's honest, we need this. It really looks like drugs are becoming a very important focal point of our relationship. That worries me. I'd really love to practice going a week or two or a few nights without. I want to learn how to build sober intimacy because it is a skill, it is a practice, and you don't have familiarity with this person with that. But know that it is possible, but you're going to have to do the white-knuckling work of saying, I, I want to take some time away from the drugs, and I want to have time with you without them, and I need you to support me in that because it's really hard to stay firm in avoiding them if you're bringing it up or bringing them in or pushing for it. And you're going to have to re-get to know them on that sober level. It's hard. But if you do realize that while sober, there's really no chemistry or there's no compatibility, then it is something you have to move on from, realizing that it's the drugs that we have in common. And that can happen where you don't necessarily take work, friends out of work or with you when you leave the job because you realize our relationship was really centered around working together. And that's okay. And that's what kept us together. That's what brought us together. That's what we had in common. That's what we talked about. And when it's no longer part of your life, you move on. And that happens with age, leaving a job, leaving a town, leaving school, becoming a new identity like a profession or a family member. Um, and that's okay. So don't have shame about it. This happens, this is normal, especially now, but you really have to decide if you wanna try to give this relationship a shot. And if you do, that'll mean having that difficult conversation, setting that boundary. And if this person can or won't do that with you, well, that's a sign that you've kind of, you know, you want something different or you've outgrown them and that's okay as well. So ask for it, hold that boundary and see what's possible. But I love your honesty in asking about this. This isn't uncommon, but yes, we do need to be able to have intimacy without the protection, right? Or the motivation of drugs or alcohol, because drugs and alcohol make it really easy for us to be vulnerable. And parts of ourselves come out that maybe aren't even really who we are. Sometimes alcohol and drugs can bring out parts of us that aren't necessarily most honest or we're most proud of. So yeah, sit with that. You know, slide in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore the confidence. That's our show. Loveline is always podcasted over at wearechannelq.com. So go over there, get them, post them, share them, binge them, and also check out I'm Listening Live. That's every Thursday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And that's on all the radio.com handles. That's their Facebook, their YouTube, and their Twitter. And you can also go there to find the past episodes. It's been awesome. Celebrities and experts talking about COVID, mental health, and the intersections with music and the art or whatever it is they do in the world. So check that out. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern on all the we Are Channel Q, radio.com places. So Google, find it, and uh, slide on into those DMs. Drop us a question and weigh in on the question of the night in our Loveline IG page stories. And to y'all, thanks for hanging out with me. You have a beautiful, beautiful night.